A legendary name in hardcore supplementation. Iron Mag Labs. 100% original, patent-pending Andro Compound. The most effective, hardcore, groundbreaking, bodybuilding supplements in the world. In the world. Iron Mag Labs. Revolutionizing hardcore supplementation for more than a decade. Visit IronMagLabs.com. IronMagLabs.com. Welcome back to Central Bodybuilding. I am your host, Jeff Roberts, and I am here, as always, with Matt Wyke. What's up, Matt? What's going on? Episode 69. 69. I can't believe it. That means uh, I've been doing this for at least 69 weeks, but probably many more weeks than that because I've missed, uh, Lewis and I missed several shows, so probably like 70 weeks however long that is so that's pretty cool but uh unfortunately for a show called central bodybuilding the bodybuilding season is kind of in its off season in a way we got nationals this weekend but um as we will touch on it's about as exciting for i mean it's just like not it's almost non-existent uh this <laughs> is every year i feel like the, the nationals and the usa have less and less anticipation going into them i don't know what it is i don't know if it's i think it's the the media coverage is totally different than it used to be but um that's that's really all we got going on bodybuilding wise so we're gonna pull up um besides some gossip and shit that we can talk about of course so we're gonna um talk about some stuff that's not necessarily bodybuilding related you know yeah i mean let's let's get started with with Dana, I know we touched on her a while ago, so let's let's just dive right into her. You know, a few a few episodes ago, we talked about um, you know Kai and him going more towards directing and film and production and, and stuff like that over with Generation Iron and, and some of his own projects, uh, comic books and, and the like. And and Dana seems to almost have found her own way outside of bodybuilding with with the multiple businesses that. Her and her husband Rob own. Uh, they have the Warhouse, the Speed House. They have obviously Flagner Fail. They have Run Everything Labs, which is their new supplement line. And and it almost seems like Dane is taking a backseat from um, competition, from you know what everyone is seeing. I mean, she kind of broke out in in 2011 when she got her pro card. And, and obviously she was the first Olympia winner for women's physique back in 2013, placed second the following year in 2014, and, and kind of never was seen again on, on stage. And it makes you wonder if, if she's really ever going to come back. She's still training, kind of like she's, she's going to come back. But, you know, she's, she's currently banged up. Her, her wrist is – I don't know if she even got it checked yet. But her wrist has been bothering her. 
Um, so she has some injuries, and and the physique is not where it usually is in the off season. She's a lot softer, um, a little flatter, a little less muscular, so to speak. Um, which which isn't a bad look for her. I mean, you know, I still think she looks good for, um, you know, the amount of size that she puts on. But I mean, overall, it's it's just interesting to see what some of these competitors are doing. I mean, what's what's your take on on Dana kind of taking the back seat to the stage? Um, I mean, I don't think. First of all, I don't think she ever had any business in that like top three. I think if you put her next to. Uh, Juliana Malacarni, I mean, come on, that that's like, that that's like that's like Darum Charles next to Phil Heath at his best. You know, it's just not. This it's just not like there's no there's no real comparison there in my eyes at all. I think if no one knows the name Dana Lynn Bailey, she's out of the money every time. You know, I think she's straight up and down and just doesn't have. I, I just don't see it. Um, but. I wasn't I wasn't so surprised with her. I put it this way: I wasn't nearly as surprised with her leaving the stage as I am with how rapidly it seems that she has left the spotlight in our industry. I mean, I feel like I mean just just uh, it seems like months ago almost, uh, or or maybe one year ago, um, Daniel and Bailey was the biggest name in the industry she was the most talked about person in the entire industry um you know back when blackman offered her a big uh, a contract and and everything like that and to, to try to resurrect md and uh i think now i never i i very rarely hear the name dana lynn bailey on the the podcasts that i listen to which i don't miss, listen to as many as i used to but i still keep up on everything um even like uh, she she rarely pops up on my YouTube. Not that I would ever watch a DLB video, but I, I watch videos very similar to. I mean, it's I mean a lot of the th- shit I watch on YouTube is this industry, you know. Um, she never, I, I barely ever see her come up, if ever. Um, whereas just a year ago, maybe less, it was all DL. That's that's all anyone ever talked about. I feel like. When I went to the Arnold, every both Arnolds I went to, the uh, 15 and 14, or was it 13 and 14? I can't remember. Uh, no, I went to the 15 Olympia, 14 Arnold and 13 Arnold. But uh, both of those Arnolds, I mean, you you couldn't get anywhere near DLB. Dana and Bailey's booth, her and Rob, th- that booth was like, there's no way you were getting a, um, th- them and fucking Piana. You couldn't get near their booth. It was f- fucking insane. Um, so, I, and I, I kind of feel like if I went to the Arnold this year, they wouldn't even have. Did they even have a booth? I, like I don't even know if they're even there anymore. I, I would not be. It wouldn't. With, with the way I see things going on now, I would not be surprised at all if uh, they didn't have a booth. You know, I don't know if you know whether or not they had a booth at this year's Arnold, but. I, I feel don't like, think they did. Yeah, I feel like, but so that just proves my point. They went from the most popular booth of the Arnold, bar none, to literally a year later not even being there. So I don't know. I didn't act. I mean, yeah, they tried to start these companies and shit, but I just feel like 
all those companies were based on the fitness industry. Um, well, I think they were all based off of her. And I mean, obviously, Rob, you know, he dabbled in uh, music. I guess you could call it that. Um, he and, uh, oh, crap, Charlie Hustle, I think his name is. They came out with a couple albums. Um, no idea. But, I don't, I don't uh, do that kind of music. No, nah, they, they, were, they were okay. But, uh, I mean, I think in the beginning, Dana was good for, for the industry. And I think that's why they kind of touted her as, you know, the, the, the poster child of um, women's physique. Just because, you know, she was kind of the only one there who was in between, you know, fitness and figure and women's bodybuilding. And she started out in women's bodybuilding and realized that, you know, she wasn't going to get as big as somebody like Iris Kyle. And and stepping on stage next to Iris, it, nobody's going to win. Um, so she was kind of that in between. So I think that's why they put her in the spotlight to kind of grow that that division. And I think she did extremely well. I mean, it, it like you just said, at, at every single event that they were at, lines would literally be wrapped around the building waiting to go see them. They would shut down the booths. I remember when I was out at the Arnold, they would literally shut down the entire expo and I would be there helping to, uh, you know, clean up and get stuff ready for the next day and, and make sure our athletes are, are, uh, you know, prepared and stuff like that. And I just remember like, I'm walking out. I'm like, whose fucking line is this? Like it's closed down. Like what is going on? So I start to walk down to see who it is. Well, sure enough, it's Dana and Rob. And, you know, Dana's up on a table posing, doing selfies with the crowd in the background. It, you know, it was crazy. And that's what the industry needed. And I think, honestly, that's what the industry needs again. Now, I'm not saying it's going to have to be a DLB comeback. But somebody else has to take that persona and own it and bring it back to the sport. Because that's what everybody loved. I mean, she wasn't the bodybuilder. So it, it didn't just... Uh, reach out to that kind of demographic, so to speak. She she reached out to a whole bunch of people, fitness-minded people as a whole. And and I really think that's what brought a lot of people into the industry, especially women who who really didn't know anything about the sport or the industry. But they were like, this chick is badass. Like, what is what is she all about? And then they start seeing the clothing line with Flag, uh, Flagner Fail. And then all of a sudden they have, you know, the supplement line now. But it's like everything was built off of her. Um, you know, obviously Rob has his own thing with the, with the speed warehouse or warehouse or, or whatever it's called. Uh, you know, they together that? started Flagner. It's, a um, kind of like a, a, a tuning car place where, you know, they soup up cars. Um, you know, they take different, uh, like Toyota Supras and stuff like that and soup them up and they do a lot of stuff in, in the drifting industry. Um, I, I see Rob is, is really heavy into that. But I mean, it's just it's just kind of like really a likes underground car shop. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know what? Good good for him. I mean, obviously he's doing well. I mean, he has a whole bunch of businesses, bought a nice house, tons of acres, uh, a whole bunch of cars. I mean, he could literally be pulling the wool over all of our eyes and and, and be broke, but but makes it look like uh, they have money. But I mean, as as a whole, I thought they were great for the industry. They were they were everything that everyone loved about. Uh, you know, fitness and, and that type of lifestyle. And they were crazy. They didn't give a, you know, a hell about what anybody thought about her. And, and she would tell them that. And, you know, overall she, there was nothing that I could say bad about Dana when she was in the industry. I mean, I can't say anything about, you know, bad about her now. Um, 
I mean, I, I consider her a friend. We we don't live too far away, and she was one of my demo girls before she really even broke into the industry. So what but, happened? Uh, Why do you think uh, like that? You you say they have this business, this business, this business. Besides this car chop shop you're talking about, I don't. All those other all those other businesses are in the industry, so none yeah. of them none of them really. I mean, you can't say. They were big in the industry and now they're not because they're working on their supplement company. Like that, that that makes no sense. If you if you're working on a supplement company, or you're working on Flag nor Fail. You you still are will be big in the industry. Like are those successful still? Because I feel like I feel like uh, you know 18 months months ago, all you saw was Flag nor Fail. You saw it at fucking Kmart in your local town, and now I I don't even see it on like on fucking um. The, I don't even see it in this industry anymore, uh, like like I used to. You see more like five percenter and all that stuff. You don't. I, I feel like flag nor fail was every shirt, and now it's you know just not really. Like are those businesses just successful? Um, I guess under the radar successful. I don't. I don't know if you have that much information on them, but I feel like. If they were so successful in these businesses, they would still be these huge, huge uh, images in the industry. Or maybe I'm just missing it. Or are, are, are they? No, stu- you're you're not. I mean, Flagner Fail is is literally. Eh, I hate to <laughs> say it, that's their their flagship. Um, I mean, that's that's what everything has been built off of, and it's doing extremely well. Um, the supplement company. There's a few things with the supplement company that that I totally do not agree about. Uh, you know, one is. Their notoriety and their fame was built off of Flagner Fail. Why wouldn't you just come out with the Flagner Fail supplement line? Everybody knows what the fuck Flagner Fail is. Nobody knows what the hell Run Everything Labs is. It just sounds like a, a knockoff underground supplement company with with zero notoriety. There's nothing behind it. I, I think they missed their mark with that. It's a fucking um, stupid name. I don't know if they tried to separate it from Flagner Fail in case one would fail. You know, they didn't want the other one attached to it, or or what the case may be. Um, You're 100 percent right. Friends with, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm good friends with somebody who was their VP of sales. Um, I mean, I worked with this guy for for years, and and he said that things were were just very wrong with with the supplement company. The demands, you know, Rob was thinking that you know he was going to be doing over a million dollars a month, uh, starting out. Um, you know, with the <laughs> supplement company, and that's that's fucking insane. You're not going to do a million a month with a, grand. a new brand that nobody knows what it is with one sales guy who's covering the entire nation. Uh, I mean, fuck, I didn't I didn't do one million a uh, a month with Metrex on Bodybuilding.com, and I mean that was our largest health and fitness account. I mean, I was yeah. doing five million a year on on bodybuilding.com and you know for them to to put out some goal that that my buddy has to hit a million a month is completely absurd uh, i'm not even sure why he came on knowing knowing what the demands were going to be but i mean I, I don't know he he took over the uh oh i think it was a powerhouse gym um locally here and turned it into this uh you know I guess their own warehouse gym, and it seems to be doing all right. I mean, when they bought it, the thing was a piece of shit, so they had to dump a ton of money into it to fix it up, replace all the carpet, do all the painting. You know, they did a whole bunch of different murals, uh, you know, refurbished a whole bunch of stuff. It looks extremely nice now, but 
you know, that place is a money pit. And, you know, I don't, I don't like to tell people, you know, what they should do with, with their money and their business. But if Rob would have came to me and said, Hey, you know, you've been around here and been in that gym a few times. What do you think? I probably would have told him, don't, <laughs> don't waste your time, your effort and your money, you know, put it somewhere else. But, you know, they wanted to get their gym out of their warehouse, uh, which is where it got started. And Dana was doing all her seminars and stuff like that. And, and that's something else that you don't even see anymore. Dana would blow up all of these big seminars mm-hmm. and she would have people, um, you know, uh, oh, who, who, who did she have down a whole bunch of times? Um, oh, uh, oh my God. I, uh, Jose Raymond. I couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah. I can see the dude's face and I can't say his name. Um, but Jose <laughs> Raymond would come down a whole bunch of times. They were good friends. Uh, and just do a whole bunch of different seminars and they don't even do that anymore. I mean, I don't know if it's a time constraint thing. Obviously they're, they're spread extremely th- uh, thin with all the stuff that they're doing, but it's, I don't know. It's it's weird not to see her in the industry and and have that type of energy bouncing off of of everybody. So, you know, I'm kind of sad, but I can understand if if there's more money to be made at this point in in their businesses, I I can't fault them for making that decision and having her take take a step back. You know, is there something else going on? Maybe, you know, she's 33, she's a year younger than me. Uh, you know, maybe they're trying to settle down. Maybe they want to have a family. So, you know, She's she's stepping off of uh, the pedestal of, of competition and, and everything that it takes to get on stage and get ready and prep. And, you know, maybe she's kind of calming down a little bit, running the business, maybe become a mom sometime. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, – my, my, main, my, my main question is just how or, – or, or more so why um, they went from being so uh, public – to to not so so much uh because from all that you're saying it sounds like they're still very successful and still garnering most of their money from the fitness industry but at the same time the names are just they're just not as uh um they're not as what's the word visible i guess right uh, as they used to be. And I guess maybe that's just something they chose. They chose to not be so, I mean, they, there was a point where, uh, when I had Lewis on the show, he would talk about how at expos people would come up to him and want to talk to him because he was in a DLB video, you know, like at first he thinks, Oh, they know who the big, cause you know, um, Lewis is is known in the industry. He worked for uh, uh, he worked for uh, he may still work for MD. I doubt it, but he worked for MD. He worked for RX. He did a lot of videos and stuff, so interviews and everything. So at the nationals and USA and all that. So people kind of know Lewis. Um, had I seen Lewis at a expo before I did anything before I started doing bodybuilding media per se when I was just a fan I would have saw him and said hi you know and and he would people would come up to him and, and Lewis thought that's who who was coming up to him just like a person who knew him but it would be people who saw him in a Dana Lynn Bailey Dana Lynn Bailey video you know <laughs> they were they were just that big where you could be in a video with them and it got you notoriety even though you barely did anything in the video and barely spoke so I think it's just kind of an interesting thing how they got so popular and how they died off so fast. Now I always said that they're 
the uh, D- Bailey pop Dana Lynn Bailey's popularity is like the eighth wonder of the world to me. I don't understand it. I don't understand. Uh, I mean, I'm not hating on her or anything. I, I I just don't know why. Like, I understand why people love Kai Green because he fakes this philosophical crap and people are drawn to it and they think. Uh, I loved Kai Green when I was young and um, I was. I, I don't know. I was like. I don't, I don't know. I just didn't. I feel like I, I know what he's like more now. Like as an adult, I can I can kind of see through his his shtick of just trying to not say anything uh, and make it sound philosophical. Uh, he's he's mastered the art of just simply not saying anything and making it sound interesting. Um, I I think I can just see through that now. So I liked him back then, and I can see why people like him. Right. But I can't really see why people like love Dana Lynn Bailey. I mean, I, I sometimes think it was just the duck face. Like she do, she'd make a stupid face, and all the and, and I think a lot girls thought that like she wasn't stuck up and she was cool because she made faces or something. I I, I don't know. And uh, like when I saw, I had friends that would would have Flagner Fail shirts, and I love Flagner Fail, and I'd be like, why? Why do you, and they're like, I don't know, it's great. And they had no real, they just, it was like they felt, it was as if they were obligated to like it. Um, it's like a grown man liking steak. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you're around a group of men and you say you don't like steak, you're like it's like you're a, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you kind of like, you're kind of a pussy for some reason, which I've also never understood that. Like why steak became like the man food. Uh, yeah, they'd be like, are you crazy? You don't like steak? Oh, you know, it's it's like that's I almost feel like that's how Flagner fail was. Like if you were in the it was almost just like like people were obligated to like them for and they and they couldn't really explain why. They just they just loved those guys, these like two hipsters that weren't really special in any way. In this industry, I mean, DLB's physique was like good but not great. Her personality was i mean i don't i don't see how she was anything beyond any person with a decent you know what i mean or him either you never even saw him he was just the the brains behind the whole thing so for them to be like i would understand if they were popular um but that sort of popularity just seems i mean they were they that she was the most popular person in the entire industry she was more she was probably more popular than anyone in the whole industry besides arnold she, she probably had Lou Frigno beat for a while. And he's a fucking Hollywood star, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I, I just don't see, like, I understand why they're popular, but I, I I have a really hard time understanding how they got that popular. How they went from, you know, um, trying to compare them to somebody who's popular but not crazy. Like, you know, they went from, like, I don't know. Normal popularity to absurd, as popular as anyone's ever been in the fitness industry, without really doing anything substantial. All they did was, what did they do? They like, what did they do to gain that popularity? They were like, they made some videos. She posted a million pictures of her with her face, that that duck face she do, uh, and that that was like, it was like she became hyper popular just from duck face selfies because i don't like you tell me like what else did they do to to garner popularity in the beginning i feel like it was solely based on duck face photos of dlb like i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that i'm not saying that they shouldn't have been popular but i almost feel like 
that's the only thing I can think of them even doing to garner popularity back then. Like, what else did they do? No, I think I think it was just their their personality. I mean, you have Rob, who's this you know big bulky guy with a mohawk, you know, crazy hair, you know, ripped up jeans, you know, jeans that are cut into shorts. Um, you know, flashy red shoes. Yeah, but uh, you I, know. I don't even. Do you think people knew what he even looked like in the beginning? I never. I feel like I didn't. I never saw a photo of that guy or a video until they were already huge and popular. Like in the yeah, beginning, I mean, you were, you were, you were, you were more intimately intertwined with that that whole that whole uh, crew, I guess. So I guess I mean, you, you, but yeah. from like the outside looking in, I never. I didn't know what Rob Bailey looked like until I until much later I saw him in a Kai Green video. I'm like, fucking hey, that guy's huge, you know? Yeah, Rob's Rob's a big guy. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I guess... talking about as they became popular, not once. I'm talking about when they were gaining a million followers a week or whatever. Um, during their meteoric rise, I'm just like, I feel like it's it's uh it's confusing to me how what. What caused that sort of meteoric rise? There was nothing. There's nothing really like solid to point to. It was almost like the right place at the right time and the right generation. It was like this perfect storm of coincidences almost. Because I don't. I didn't see them being very uh, um, unique or innovative or anything like that. It was just like this girl with a great body. If you're into that sort of body, you know, making faces on camera and that was that was that because I don't even remember videos in the beginning. I mean, they must have had videos, but yeah, social media is is what really put them on the map. I mean, Rob was kind of behind the camera, you know, uh, constantly just filming Dana, you know, just being herself, which is kind of goofy. And uh I mean, I th- I think people saw how how real she was, and and they liked that, and I think that's what engaged them. I mean, who else would post uh, a video on social media of them deadlifting and they piss themselves, and there's literally piss on the floor, and then she laughs about it and tells the camera that she she pissed on the floor. I, I hmm. mean, that's that's just the way that they are and and it works and it's it's entertaining and i mean it's like you said i think in the beginning i I knew what rob was doing um you know i wouldn't say that that was super close by by any stretch of the imagination um they pretty much keep to themselves at this point but uh i mean i would i would see what they're doing and i would talk to dana um you know just because she was my demo girl so i would hear different things that they're working on and and you know i would see the videos and and all that stuff but i think social media is what blew them up and then literally you know once they started making appearances is when things got crazy because people would see all the lines they would want to know what is it for oh it's for this crazy chick oh i'll go check it out oh she's kind of cool she's kind of quirky she's goofy i like that okay i'll follow her and then it's like Everywhere that they went, it's like they had their their crew of of their masses, you know, following them, wanting to to hang out with them all the time. And I think that's that's what happened. And you know, my my only concern is I don't think she's ever going to get back on stage. And and I think it's for a good reason that the competition is so tough right now in women's physique that I don't know if she would place even in top five at this point. No way. Uh, so with that being said. I don't think she's going to make a comeback. 
you know, they keep saying, oh, well, she's on a hiatus, you know, from competition because they're focusing on, you know, this business or that business or the gym or whatever. I don't think that's the case. I think when she lost um, in 2014 at the Olympia, I think she knew right then and there that she was never going to be back on that platform again where she was winning What's the shows. point? That, that, so, that would be like Arnold coming back in 1990 to a master show. It's like I, I feel like not that they had the, top, the, the type of popularity and, and, and money and stuff that Arnold has, but in the women's arena, it's kind of a close comparison. It, that would be like Arnold – Coming back, you know, in the 90s when he could still make a master's comeback, it's almost like why would he – there's no reason for him to do that. He's got so much going for him. Like I feel like they have so much going for them at this point and especially when she stopped competing. Like what was the point? Like you're making – they're probably making millions of dollars a year. Why would she put her out, put herself through the rigors of training and shit so she might win – a title in a sport that very few people care about, you know, it, it just doesn't seem, um, I can totally see why that would probably happen to more people. If, um, I saw a discussion about this, um, in basketball where they, they're, they're talking about how guys used to play for a championship and now guys play for the status Guys are guys are playing professional. They're, they're, they're like the kids are coming up, um, you know, playing on the block or playing in the driveways and playing in and and uh, high school games. And they're they're dreaming to get to the NBA and they're dreaming of driving a Lambo and having you know three bikini models at your house all the time of your choice. They're dreaming of that. They're not dreaming of winning a championship and being a champion. And that's the difference in the in the game today, in the way that that it's played. And um, I think that that kind of happened with with DLB. Like she reached a status where it was like, I'm already way more popular than any winner of this division will ever be. So what's the point of me even competing? It doesn't. It doesn't. She. They were. In other words, they were more concerned with the status than they were the. Or, or and that and status doesn't mean money and, and it doesn't mean like arrogance. It, it could mean their ability to influence, their ability to to give back, their ability to promote. Um, that already got to a point higher than competing could ever take it. So why compete? You know, I don't think that DLB or um, Rob. I don't think that they're motivated by being champions at in our industry. They're motivated by being inspirational, by being able to influence, by being able to have power, and um, you know that that that's what they're motivated by. They're not motivated by the championship because if they were motivated by a championship where she was, she'd be on stage because that would be her motivation, you know. Um, and I think it's kind of an interesting interesting comparison because it's a whole different world when you're motivated by the status as opposed to being the winner. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of what happened to her when she didn't, when she decided not to compete, I'm like, why is anyone surprised? She's like, like so famous. It's insane. She can do way more not competing. Competing takes away from her video making her, her helping people, her, you know, it takes away from the, the shit that's making her world famous. 
and women don't get paid shit in this right. industry. And they don't At get any compete, recognition. Like wise. The, yeah, but listen, if if DLB made a comeback last year and won the, the figure Olympia, most of her fans would come up to her at the booth and, and, and they'd have no fucking idea. She'd be like, yeah, I won. And they'd be like, oh, okay, okay. But anyways, I want to talk about this video. You know what I mean? They wouldn't even have any idea. They would be talking about her her YouTube video, this, that, and the other thing. The only fucking fans that would know anything about her being Miss Figure Olympia, whatever the hell it would, would be, Miss Physique Olympia, would be other competitors. Um, and maybe a bodybuilding fan who likes DLB. Like if one of you, if you were, if you or I were like a really hardcore DLB fan, we would know, we would um, recognize that she's Miss Olympia in that division and we would bring it up or whatever. But most of her fans wouldn't even give a shit. It doesn't like, I don't think, I think she reached a point where being, first of all, like you said, winning that shit is like a very far cry for her. It's kind of unrealistic, but Placing top five isn't wasn't real isn't really so especially with her name and she's thinking what the hell is top four and that that it's like if anything going back and placing top four for her would lessen her like her mystique and intrigue like imagine if remember uh, imagine if uh, Victor Richards decided to compete and he placed like. He did like the fucking uh, 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 he did the Iron Man right, and he placed like fifth, and he got beat by Lee Priest, and he got beat by Paul Delat, and he got beat by Jay Cutler, and he got beat you know like that would totally that would that would drastically reduce the amount of mystique and interest around him because now there's no more fucking he could beat Doran if he got blah 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 like. Like that, that completely goes away, you know. It's it's the fact that he doesn't compete but looks like a freak that that makes him him. And I think that DLB kind of has that going on. If she comes back and places sixth, I I think that hurts her more than it helps her. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, I've I've pretty much seen Dana from. <clears throat> nothing to you know celebrity status she you know she worked at the same school that my wife worked at um she was a gym teacher and you know she was an athlete her entire life she went to westchester she was on the soccer team um you know did amazing obviously when she was competing she did american ninja warrior didn't do too well in there but she gave it a go um i mean it's it's just funny to see her progression from you know a normal career, you know, being a teacher, a gym teacher, getting into fitness, getting out of teaching, going full time into the industry, becoming super uber popular in the industry, and then all of a sudden to like a downfall. And and I hate to say it, but in two years, I don't think anyone's ever going to know the name Dana Lynn Bailey. I, I think it, it's going to get to the point where it's out of sight, out of mind completely and and i think the the supplement company is going to fail because it has no name behind it at that point uh, i don't think rob and and dana in in 2 years will have enough pull to maintain sales for that supplement company um you know their their product line isn't extensive it's you know quite frankly it, it's nothing spectacular um, but I mean, it, it's pretty much like a lot of the companies that are out there. Um, you know, not a me too, but you know, nothing edgy, nothing creative. 
you know, just a pretty bland type of product. And, and they were hoping to sell it based off of their image and, and their names. And I don't think it ever got to that point, and I don't think it ever will, unfortunately. Uh, well, you and I you know, had a discussion about how you can't do that anymore. No, you you can't. We, and and um, we got really good really good feedback from that show as well. Uh, I and we we said basically the the supplement consumers have evolved to a spot where you can't just say I'm Jay Cutler, buy my shit. You can't just say, I'm Dexter Jackson, buy my shitty supplements, I'm Phil Heath, buy my garbage, where before, you could, and not only, well, you, it, it, it's, it's just harder to do now, because a lot of the guys didn't do that, um, we talked about how Rich Gaspari made an innovative product, with like Novadex and Super Pump, and same with, you know, so... Same with Labrata, but the, the the supplement consumers now, there's too much information out there. If you make, if Phil Heath makes a supplement, this is exactly what happened. Phil made a supplement line, the supplements were garbage, garbage. So obviously his plan was, I'm going to make a supplement line, I'm going to make millions because of my name, people are going to buy it because of my name. That may have worked 10 years ago before social media was so prevalent, but the first thing that happened was his fucking supplement label was on everyone's Facebook page getting ripped apart by like, oh, look, it's a 200 milligrams of caffeine essential amino blend. That's all that's in it. And they were, everyone was bashing them, you know? Like, it doesn't work anymore. Well, and I think I, the whole I, thing comes down to, you know, you guys, the listeners, are more educated than you've ever been as as a consumer whole. I mean, you guys, you're listening to podcasts, I mean that that says something right there. You're interested in learning about the industry, and it's the same thing with supplements. You do your homework. You understand, you know, what the products do, what they're supposed to do, what you should be feeling when you use them, and you know what ingredients really don't do anything. And, and you're knowledgeable about that these days, and I think that's amazing. But I still think, like what you just said, is that there's too many people who who want to make a quick buck and throw their name on something and think it's going to sell. But because everybody is so educated these days, they can see right through it. They're, they might buy it once, but they'll never be a repeat buyer. They'll just buy it to say, hey, I tried it, and that'll be the end of it. They'll be like, I wouldn't recommend that product. It's, it's a piece of shit. And, and I think that really hurts their name. I think that – I mean not that it killed Phil. I mean Phil, you know, he's still winning the Olympia, so he's still relevant. But let's just say Phil was you know, uh, a tenth uh, you know, placing competitor. That, I mean, that would just, you know, further crush him even more. Like, oh, so this dude thinks he's good enough to put a supplement line out. He, it, The products are shit. Uh, yeah, we'll never root for that guy ever again. So it it just comes down to people are more educated these days. Yeah, they really are. And listen, it didn't work for Kim Kardashian. So uh, don't think your name's going to do it because it, uh, Kim's name didn't do it for her. And she's got the biggest name in fucking America, unfortunately. And... um. I sold her supplements at GNC, and tell you the truth, they weren't really that bad. They were like, I would give them like a 6 out of 10 on a supplement scale. They were way better than BPI products, I can tell you that. The Kim Kardashian line, obviously she had nothing to do with it, but her name was on it. Um, I wonder who manufactured her line. Did you ever find that out? Uh, I used to know, but I couldn't tell you now. I don't think it was... Uh, they may have been... Um, 
I believe it was tied to GNC in some way. Don't quote okay. me on that. I don't know. Like Mark Wahlberg shit. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's line is literally, literally, GNC Pro Performance products repackaged. Um, ingredient for ingredient, the exact same products repackaged that say marked with Mark Wahlberg. I doubt that line's even around anymore either. So, didn't work for Mark Wahlberg. Didn't work for Sylvester Stallone with In Stone Nutrition. And those products yeah. were good. Yeah, those um, were good. Uh, I mean, so do the math there. Not going to work for any other bodybuilder, um, more than likely. Even when Arnold got on uh, the, the what was that fucking company? Uh, Muscle Farm. That shit. <laughs> it was... Yeah. Not really, it got a lot of buzz and shit, but they just, they kept fucking lying on their labels and getting in trouble for it, and it ruined the whole thing, because putting Arnold on that shit was like, I was in supplement stores working at that time, and it was pretty powerful. Um, People brought it up all the time. You see, Arnold's got his own line now? Because everyone, they, they have no idea what's really going on. Like, Arnold doesn't even, has nothing to do with it, you know? But... Uh, it was actually very powerful, and even that didn't turn out great because of the corruption or whatever you want to call it. So it's just it just doesn't work anymore. Um, fortunately, because it's bullshit. But uh, moving on to our next topic, um, what direction do I want to go with this one? Uh, <laughs> do you want to go with snakes in the grass? Yeah, yeah, snakes let's go with that one. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> why don't you tell us about snakes in the grass? Well, you're 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 the one who actually um, told me about this. I didn't I didn't see the video, and and for those of you who frequent YouTube, um, which I do a lot, and somehow I miss this. There's an interview where um, Dexter Jackson talks about Dave Palumbo and Chris Aceto. And and it's quite comical. Uh, he's pretty fired up. He's not yelling, but uh, you could tell it's in his self voice, interview. Yeah, yeah, he's doing his self interview, and uh, basically he, he talks about when when Dave and Chris were pretty much tearing Dexter apart at at his physique. Dexter recently just fired back. I think it was maybe like four days ago, maybe a couple days ago. Something like that, and and basically, you know, uh, in in his excited voice, he's going, "Eh, get Dave Plumbo. He's a piece of shit. He's a snake in the grass. Him and Aceto. <laughs> he's snake Aceto, in the grass. Aceto. If his clients don't win, everybody looks like shit. It was. It's probably one of the funniest things I've I've seen in a long time. And prior to the show, yep. <laughs> prior to the show, Jeff Jeff was trying to figure something out, and and it was silence and you can hear him going oh man you know what the heck what why is what's going on here and and <laughs> I, I keep replaying the interview in my head and i just jump on the mic and i'm like he piece of shit he's snaking the grass him and aceto <laughs> we just start cracking up it was fucking hilarious um <laughs> dexter is uh he's a funny he's a funny dude i mean i think his whole reaction to those two is like childish and i just think like dude 
Why do you let them bother you? I mean, they, they barely say anything bad. All they say is like, they say, I, I, I don't think Dexter was his best at the Olympia. And he, and Dexter's like, piece of shit snake in the grass. Like, <laughs> huh? Like, it kind of seems like a rash decision on his part. But it was an interesting video to see um, Dexter. Recently, Dexter has uh, been coming out of his shell, uh, pun intended. Uh, he's He gets on there and just talks about... this. The, 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 he had the one video where he's on the treadmill and he's talking about people who had him outside the top three uh, coming into the 2016 Olympia. And he's like, y'all need to change your fucking, uh, y'all need to change your fucking list. If you got me outside the top three, y'all out your fucking mind. And there's something like that, you know, like clearly upset with it and putting it on YouTube. And now we have this. And I think RX muscle like propagates it more than people think. I mean, Chris and Dave, enjoy bringing up Dexter's name and talking about how he doesn't like them and how he shouldn't not like them, you know? And that's like, gotta be fucking annoying. If, if Chris and Dave, I mean, I'm not gonna, anybody, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't want it to sound like I'm comparing myself to Dexter, which would be completely absurd. Um, but if they were like, if they constantly brought up Jeff Roberts and how Jeff Roberts is always mad at us for no reason and this and that, and that would just, it's just annoying. Like they bring it up a lot. And, uh, he made this video and it's just funny. He's like, why I won't do an interview with Dave Palumbo? Cause he a piece of shit. He a snake in the grass. Him and Aceto. And every time Aceto got a guy on the show, everyone else looked like shit. You know how that go. And, um, then he says that George Farah has more intel- more knowledge in his pinky than Kristen does in his whole body, which I wholeheartedly disagree with. That's like a fucking April Fool's joke right there. I mean, come on now. Say what you want about Aceto. Aceto says some asinine political things. Um, he, I, I mean, he says some stuff on the recent Heavy Muscle Radio that, holy cow, I couldn't believe uh, such, like, um, such illogical words were coming out of such an intelligent person talking about how how, he he literally talked about how the Hillary supporters are reacting to the loss better than the Trump supporters would have. And wow, how stupid that is. I mean, wow. I mean, the, 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 the Hillary supporters are reacting to this worse than any fucking group of people have ever reacted to a, I mean, people are like, rioting and shit because Hillary lost. I mean, did you see any conservatives rioting when fucking Obama won? Not really. You know, I just think that's crazy that he said that. I I, I want to touch on that because it kind of blew my mind that he's like, imagine if if, if Trump lost and this happened, how Trump's people will go crazy. It's like, as Hillary's people are going crazy, and acting like complete idiots, you know, I just think that was fucking ridiculous, but, um, back to Dexter and snakes. But what, what was the, the, if you, if you search on YouTube, what was it? Dexter Jackson calls Dave. Is that what it was? Dexter, Dexter Jackson calls Dave Palumbo a piece of shit. That's what the fucking video is called. And I don't even know who posted it. I mean, it's like, it's like this chopped up video where 
I don't, I don't even it's not Dexter's YouTube, but it's like it's Dexter talking onto into his phone and, and I don't know. It's um it's interesting. I don't know whose video it is or who leaked it or, or whatever. He must have but had it on social media or something, and somebody pulled it off and yeah. threw it on YouTube. Because I saw two videos right. that seemed pretty similar. One was like a minute six, and another was like four minutes and seven seconds or something like that. Uh, but yeah, none of them had anything to do with, with Dexter himself, just the video that he put out interviewing himself. It was probably a, a YouTube, a live YouTube thing that Dexter did. And Maybe, these yeah. people were recording it or something. But it was funny. I mean, Dexter, um, well, I disagree with him, especially about, I mean, back to Chris Aceto. Chris Aceto has been training people since the 80s, top pros since the 80s. I mean, he worked, he, he had an office at Joe Weider's place. I mean, and shit, like, he, come on now, George Farah, get the fuck out of here. But, um. I just thought that was funny. Everyone should go check it out. It's always funny when Dexter riled up is is the best. Um, snake in the grass. But um, and on on the same token, I'll go right into this. Did you see the Kevin Lavroni interview with um David Bay? I didn't see the whole interview. Um, oh I, man, I, I saw some of it. I mean, I, I know the gist and and some of the stuff that went on with uh, him calling out Sean Ray. Um, I'm assuming that's probably what you're gonna what you're gonna get into. Yeah, mostly. But but the whole the whole interview was just pretty interesting. I mean, I think a lot of it is um, I think a lot of it's fabricated. I don't think I don't think that Kevin is as perturbed as he as he comes across in this video. I think he's doing it for a little bit of shock and awe. I don't think that he's as upset as he as he as he sounds like he is in this video. Um, just I, I just don't believe that. I, I don't because he really really comes across as like pissed, and uh, he just interrupts David Bay over and over again. I want to say this too. I want to say this. Oh, and he's like not listening to what David Bay is saying, and he's like, I want to say this too. You. You guys out there saying this shit, why don't you come in here? And this is why I can qualify, because I'm the best, I'm the most well-qualified guy out there. How many wins, nobody in the whole IAPB is more qualified to step on that stage than I am. You guys are bitching about me getting a free qualification. He's like, and he calls out Sean Ray, calls him cheap, says that he doesn't pay for anything, and he loves his money, and says that, uh, why don't you get on stage with me? I'll put $2,500, I'll put $25,000 up, and, uh, you can put $25,000 up, and then if you beat me, you get the 50 k and all this shit, like challenging him at Tony. He's like at Tony Doherty's show, which is like a fucking joke because the T- Tony Doherty show is like a few months away. And, like, come on now. You can't challenge Sean Ray. I mean, challenge some Darum Charles maybe. The Sean Ray, like – He's not even he's not even bodybuilding anymore. He hasn't been bodybuilding for years. You can't challenge him to a fucking showdown in three months. It's like I would hope you'd beat him. Jeez, but the whole interview was interesting. You definitely want to go check it out. With uh, I kind of felt bad for David Bay because David Bay's not a bad interviewer, but like that was just Kevin. Kevin's usually hard to interview because it's hard to get stuff out of him. And on this 
particular interview, he was hard to interview because he wouldn't shut up. He just like, every time David Bay would speak, he would interrupt him and say something not related to what David Bay was saying. You know, like the gears were turning and um, he was like, Kevin was thinking about what, what, what was making the gears turn and not what David Bay was saying at all. David Bay was trying to be more PC and, well, the guys competed more in the 90s. Why do you think that is? And, and then Kevin's like, well, because we had heart. We had balls. These guys said, basically calling the guys today are pussies. They're afraid to get hurt. They don't have balls. They don't train hard, you know, so on and so forth. So it was just, a, he was just very fired up. And I think a lot of, I think it was a little artificial just to get people talking about him because what did we say just the other week on here? We talked about how, um, Lavroni is, Lavroni is, is not, that's the only thing he talked about. People don't even know how to say my damn name. He goes, why don't you guys learn something? My name's Lavroni. He's like Lavroni, and I'm I'm uh, I, I am uh, one of those people too that he's talking about because I always said Lavrone. Um, by the rules of the English language, his last name is Lavrone. You know, if you just read that word, it's spelled Lavrone. It's not spelled Lavroni. An e at the end uh, is, does not make e. You know what I mean? It's silent. So. Uh, but he, he went over that. He bitched about people not knowing his name and shit. So, and I'm one of those people. I, I always said Lavrone, and I got to start saying Lavroni, I guess. Because I just listened to the commentators always say Lavrone. So I thought it was Lavrone. I thought they knew what they were talking about, but apparently not. Well, I, but, think, uh, I think Kevin literally, now that he's in the spotlight, he can't get out of it. Not because he <laughs> can't. It's because he doesn't want to. Um, I got to be honest. You know, I love Kevin as a competitor, as a bodybuilder, and, and what he's done throughout his career. But right now, I don't give a fuck about Kevin. You went up on stage. You did your thing. Yeah, You look mediocre. The results speak for themselves, regardless of what people say your physique look like. You tied for last place at the Olympia. Um, yeah, your comeback was cool. It was awesome to see you on stage. You know, congrats for the progress. But damn it, shut up. Go train. If you're gonna compete in 2017, shut your mouth and go train. Go prove us, you know that. Go prove to us that you're worth coming back. That you that you can get to where you say that you're gonna get to. Like right now, I, it's all it's all lip service. I don't give two shits about what he says anymore. Like prove yourself. You know he says it all the time to everybody else that you know he's the greatest and. You know, I, I can come back. I get the invite because, you know, I'm I'm the best and blah, look at my career. That's great. Yeah, you have you have a nice track record, but you don't look anywhere close to what the guys do on stage right now. Now, granted, if I stood next to you, I would look like a 10 year old kid who never worked out in his life. So, OK, I tip my hat to you. But if you're a, a professional bodybuilder, member. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I'll just I'll grab a guitar and some hair gel you look um, like Taylor Hansen. <laughs> but but honestly like i'm sick of it shut up stop doing the interviews just disappear for a while go train do your social media thing but damn it like i don't want to hear your fucking voice again it's it's getting annoying that he's coming back and he's like lashing out like he has some anger towards people oh got his panties in a in a bunch or something but you know what we love him as the competitor that we that we knew he was back in the 90s and what he brought to the stage. You know, what he brought to the stage at the Olympia wasn't his greatest. 
His guest posing after the Olympia wasn't the greatest. His legs were still down. Upper body still needed some work. But, you know, it's just like you have nothing to talk about at this point. You haven't come back and really proven anything to anybody. So I don't understand why everybody is still all gung-ho about Kevin and, and all hung on everything that he says. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm minority and, and I'm being harsh, but it's just kind of like I'm, I'm done with it. Like when you come back and, and I see your physique and I'm like, oh, damn, Kevin's bringing it. Then I'll say, okay, I want to hear what you have to say. You know, what did you do to get back to where you are? Until then, I don't care what beef you have with Sean Ray or what Sean Ray is saying, which is the truth. Sometimes that shit hurts, and it's what you need to hear to light I mean, that fire under your ass. But, I mean, I, think I don't that know. People, I think that people are being too harsh, uh, yourself included. I think people are being too harsh on what he looked like due to the fact that I mean, it's his fault. Obviously, it's 100% his fault. But the fact is, he only trained for like six months after not really training hard for. He didn't not train for 13 years. There were spo- the, there were there were times in there where he made little little comebacks and got big again. Not huge like this, but big again. But I mean, he he. I guess I guess the facts are he didn't train that long for for the Olympia. And he is going to train for all intents and purposes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I got, I'm, if, if you've taken his word for it, I don't know why you wouldn't. He is going to train for uh, seven months or nine months or whatever for this next show, starting where he is after training for six months. So instead of a, instead of a six months, tr- six months of training, we're looking at like, um, you know, 13, 14 months of training. So I guess. I guess I don't I don't think that I'm not writing him off completely as uh looking good but because of those facts but um I do understand where you're coming from in regards to him like mouthing off to everyone because you can't just it it I mean we we saw what we saw you can't get on there and say you don't, no one knows what they're talking about. I was injured. Like, fuck, uh, okay. Like, it doesn't matter if you were injured. You, it, it's, it's bodybuilding. You look the way you looked. It doesn't matter that you were injured. It doesn't matter that you only took... Like, he's... he's. I feel like... And fucking powerlifters do this. And it was one of the most annoying thing about powerlifters um, when I was powerlifting competitively. He takes... He, he takes all these... He's using all the disadvantages that he put on himself as like the reason he didn't look good. It's like that's not that you can't do that. Like a powerlifter will say, "Well, I, I, I uh, my my deadlift wasn't great today, but I haven't eaten all day." It's like, "Well, fuck you." Okay, you're the one who didn't eat all day. It's your fault. Or, "Oh, I couldn't sleep last night, so this." It's like, dude, it doesn't matter. We're here now to do this now. I don't care if you didn't eat that day or you were sick or you didn't sleep or you're not, you're trying something new. And that's why like, fuck you. Like all these things that are beyond that are pretty much in your control that you choose to, to partake in or not partake in, however it may be. And then you use them as excuses. Like it's a big fucking thing in powerlifting. Like it's like not giving it your all so that when you suck, 
you can say, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that, you know, or like, it's, that, that's, that kind of sounds like what he's doing. It's like, well, I only trained for six months. Okay. Who forced you to do that? Well, I hurt my knee. It's like, okay, no one made you fucking squat 315 for 15. Well, I tore my pec. Like, okay, like none of that matters. None, none of that has anything to do with how you, the, the, what, what, what we're saying, uh, all that is included. It's like you tore your pec because you're 53 years old and you're benching 405. And we all know that that's a huge possibility, which is one of the reasons why we said you weren't going to do good. You know, it's all part of it. It, it, it. He's, he's using these things that he did to himself as an excuse as to why he didn't do good. Almost like, almost as if they're unfair to him or something. It's like, that's, that's the way the cookie crumbles. You know, um, you can't, you can't handicap yourself and then once it's all said and done, be like, well, if I didn't have this and I didn't do this, it's like, well, then you shouldn't have done that. Now I have no problem back to my original thought on him. I have no problem with him thinking that he's going to do better in 2017 saying it, whatever. It's all good because I think he can be way better. Um, I think his legs can come up. They're never going to be good, but they can come up significantly, I think. And then his upper body can probably be 20% bigger, which puts him from the front better than anyone in most pro lineups. Uh, well, I, want, so, I want to talk on his legs. You brought up his legs. And and he says that that he you know worked out for, for six months getting ready for the Olympia. That was his prep. He was he was still lifting before that. And here's here's something that I want to focus on. You know, his upper body looked decent, you know, when when he stepped on stage in Pittsburgh and said that he was going to come back. He didn't look like those Ethiopian pictures where, you know, he looks smaller than the average guy that walks down the street. So he was clearly lifting at that point. So my concern is. Yeah, that was four at, months out, though. Yeah. To the point of of anywhere remotely close to where he was in the 90s. And I get it. You know, age age plays into it and it might not be possible. But the way his upper body looked makes me think that his legs can definitely improve. But the fact that they were still as small as they were compared to his upper body makes me wonder if they can ever come back to match his upper body again. Um, no way. I don't think I don't think there's any way. Uh I mean, at his age, whatever injuries he calls them, like, are you, are you, are you telling us that at 52, an injury that you sustained six months ago, you've miraculously overcame to the point where you're going to be squatting 405 for reps and building huge legs? Like, come on now. What, what makes you think, I don't know what makes him think that all of a sudden he's like, Iron Man, and he's not gonna, his knee's gonna be fine because he got some PRP or whatever it is. Like, I, I just don't think that that's a possibility. Now, I think he can get a lot better, but just to think that you're past those injuries, like that knee injury goes back to when he was like competing in the 90s, you know? I'm pretty sure. 
I'm pretty sure that's an old injury. Like, why do you think all of a sudden at 52 it's going to be gone and because you went to some doctor? I don't. I just don't see that being the case. Um, but you are correct about him training. He was not. He didn't start training six months out or whatever. You could. He did a fucking interview with Chris Aceto a year before, and and he was talking about making a comeback, and he was probably 230 and lean. He was fucking obviously training then. He was uh pretty big. Kevin has been pretty big. You know when he got with Gear Nutrition? Remember that? What a clusterfuck that was. <laughs> well, that's a topic for a different show, but the <laughs> when he got with Gear, that's when he like started training again. Because I saw him face to face when he was with Gear and he was not big. He was like he was like me at my best, maybe. Like he was not Diesel, but that's around the time when he started like training again, and that was years. That was two, three years before he made the comeback. You know, it's been brewing for a while. So you you are correct. He 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 he, he trained a lot longer than he makes it seem. But he, I think he only trained serious for about six months. Like really got in there and. And killed it uh, with yeah, heavy with free weights. Yeah. But so that that does kind of diminish the idea that, oh, I'm going to take seven months now and become a monster. Like, I don't think he's going to change that much. I think I expect to see a Kevin Lavroni who is, if he does a regular show, I expect him to probably be one of the best, if not the best, from the waist up, from the front and the side in the entire show. I mean, if he stands next to uh, Brandon Curry after seven months of training, I think from the side and the front, upper body, he's going to take him out. Or even, you know, any of those um, kind of second-tier pro competitors. I don't think that they're going to have enough firepower to hang with Kevin from the front and the side from the waist up. Now, when he turns around from the back, he's he, he might hang with – most of the guys in a pro lineup are going to beat him from the back, even from the waist up. He, he'll, he'll get a couple of them maybe after seven months of training. And then you have the legs, which I think after seven months of training, he could have better legs than like Johnny Jackson. Uh, but I think definitely he could. He might be able to have legs similar to like a Brandon Curry. Like Brandon Curry's got okay legs, but they're not good enough. He might be able to get somewhere in that strategy in that realm, but like if you have Brandon Curry's legs and a slightly up a slight if you have Brandon Curry's legs and then we'll say Brandon Curry's back and then a better upper body from the front, you aren't going to you're not going to win a pro show. That's not that's not enough, you know. I think he has a lot to to do in seven months. I mean, we said before that seven months is probably going to put him right around the New York Pro, which is a fairly competitive show to get in. You know, Dexter will probably be back. Um, who knows? Dennis Wolf might be back at that point. Uh, you know, Rami, if if he can get back from uh, pretty much busting up his knee. Um, I mean, there's – I don't know. I'm, I'm still not saying he's going to be top five of, of any show next year. It's it's going to have to be an oddball, nobody competes in type of pro show for him to place top 10. 
or or, or I'm excuse, uh, sorry, top five. Um, you know, he'll be top ten probably at some of these shows, but I, I don't know. At that point, what else? What do you what do you have to prove? Um, I mean, I understand yeah, a lot of these. I guess it depends on how many people are in the show. I guess, but I guess uh, like in New York, if there's twenty competitors at the New York Pro, I'd put Kevin somewhere in the middle. Probably yeah, I was gonna say after like seven months of training, not now. Fifteen. Yeah, right now he's probably last. But I'm saying like, if he does all this shit and he he gasses it a little harder, I think maybe he's tenth or twelfth in a in a in a lineup of twenty at a New York Pro. Now at a smaller pro show, I could see, I could see like a sixth maybe, um, at like a Europa, a smaller one, uh, but. That's that's all I'm gonna give him after even with his seven months of training and, and but I do think we're gonna see him smoke guys from the front. Uh, I mean, go back and watch the press conference video without seeing his legs. Oh yeah, you literally like Chris Aceto on RX Muscle, who uh, is a snake in the grass, but he <laughs> fucking he goes. Tomorrow is the Mr. Olympia, and Kevin Lavroni will be competitive in this show. That's what Chris Aceto said. He thought Kevin, based on his upper body alone, not seeing his legs, he thought Kevin was going to be competitive. Meaning, I, I mean, he probably meant that, like, he was going to be in, in the, maybe in the top 10, you know, maybe 10th or something, like, competitive. That's how good his upper body was. So, I mean, if he gets it even better... I think it was seven months of training. He can have his sweats on and pull his uh, pull his uh, his top off at a, at a press conference and and smoke whoever he's standing next to, as long as it's not Phil or Dexter or somebody. You know, if it's a if it's a the way that um what's his name uh the kid from Australia, I can't remember his name now. Um, who he posed down next? To. Yeah, like Johnson Artowitz. If if he posed down next to him uh, at, with 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 his sweats on. After seven months of training, he's he would stop Lenardowitz from the waist up. So I think that that upper body. We watched Johnny Jackson do it his whole career. I think his upper body can get to a point where it's good enough to make up for his legs, enough for him to be be uh, somewhere around like the maybe the five to seven spot in a week pro show in, in seven months. I'd agree with that. I still don't think which, which is top, kind of a waste five, of time on his point. It's kind of like that's what makes you wonder what's in it for him. He's he's not making any money at that point. So. I think he thinks he's going to win. I think I think uh, honestly, this is a little a psychological. It's a little psychological, but I I think that the 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 talk of his genetics, I think, has kind of gone to his head. Um, you are he is a. He is absolute genetic royalty of the highest order, no doubt. But he's also a human being who's 52 years old, competing against the top athletes in the world in our sport. The 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 latter just outweighs the the the, the former. Period. Um, it's just the way it is. Nobody who's in their 50s can come back and beat the best guys at their craft. The only guy who can do that is John Brzezink, the arm wrestler. Um, people don't know John Brzezink, but John Brzezink is 
the most dominant athlete in human history. He was the best arm wrestler in the world for 25 years straight. He's my size, a little bit bigger, 5'10", 205. He could be any human being on the planet in arm wrestling for 25 years. Nobody could beat him. And uh, he's still one of the tops in the world and in his mid-50s. But he's not the best anymore. He's like fourth or something, which is unbelievable. But nobody in any – with the exception of him, and that's fucking arm wrestling, not bodybuilding. There's no athlete who at – even Jack Nicklaus people bring up winning the Masters or whatever he won. He was 46, I think, when he won the Masters. And that's golf. Fucking Kevin Lavroni is – Six years older, seven years older he'll be than Jack Nicholas. When Jack Nicholas was fifty something, like he wasn't beating anybody young. Like, there's no way. It's just it's just father time beats everybody. So um I just don't see the benefit, like you said. I don't I don't I don't I don't really understand it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I I just don't I don't know what to say anymore. I'm I'm confused as to um what what he really wants to prove. You know, is it He's, he's trying to launch his supplement company in the States, so he's trying to build up momentum. Is it he still feels that there's something left for him to prove, and that's why he's going back? I, I, I'm just confused as to why he's continuing. You know, he said that there was something that, that he, he needed to do. He was being told, uh, you know, that, that he had to go back on stage to finish. I, I just don't understand what, what else he has to prove. Um. I, I mean, I agree. I don't, I don't, I don't really understand. At this point, I don't really understand why. Because I just don't see. I could understand why if he had a chance to win a pro show, then go in the Olympia and place top six. Then I could get in the pose down. But I, I just don't think that's. I don't think that's possible. And I think he's under this false impression that he's cured and now he's gonna. I think he thinks he's going to start squatting 405 and his legs are going to fucking blow up again. I just don't think that's realistic. It's not. I don't think it's an injury holding his legs back. It's father time holding his legs back. Everyone knows that the legs are the first thing to go when you get older. I don't think it's coincidence that Kevin Lavroni fucking gets his upper body to 80% of what it used to be. And his legs only come up to 20%. I mean, I guess you could blame it on the injury, but it's kind of coincidental, you know? I don't think that... You could give him... God could fucking... Uh, he's always talking about God, so you, God could could bless him with brand new knees. He could give him his knees from when he was 19, and he wouldn't get great legs again, because he's 53, you know? that that that's That's... One bum knee is not the reason at 53 that you don't have legs like... Like uh, Dennis Wolf, <laughs> you know, it's because no one in the fucking world has ever had good legs at 53 as a bodybuilder. Maybe Tom Platts had decent legs at 53. That's about it. Um, look at Branch Warren. Even his legs are go- going down, and he's like 40. Yeah. So that's that's what I how I feel about it. I just don't feel like he has that much, and I think he believes, or he at least he portrays that he believes. That his legs are going to bounce back as soon as he gets to cranking on him again. And I, I just, I think that's unrealistic, but, uh, how did I know that we would end up talking about Kevin even more after his, uh, after his comeback? He's, uh, if, if, if nothing else, he's doing a decent job of staying in the, 
staying in the spotlight, uh, unlike DLB, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's might be that might be why he's doing some of these interviews, just to stay is. relevant. I think I think it, it I think uh, it has a lot to do with it. I, I got that vibe from his interview with uh with David Bay. I, I I definitely got the vibe that he was trying to stay relevant. Uh, uh, just the way he spoke was not Lavroni like, and I think a lot of that was trying to stay trying to keep the buzz alive. So which is fine. Um, it's good for it's good for the good for the industry it's something to talk about especially in these uh down months as we go through the holidays and there's no real bodybuilding stuff going on but uh that's gonna bring us to the end of another episode of central bodybuilding episode 69 is in the books and uh we'll be back with episode 70 100's creeping closer and closer uh man it's crazy but uh 100 maybe 100 it'd be nice if our 100th episode would be like the arnold classic episode next year it might be close. Thirty weeks from now. No, yeah, that'll put us closer to like June. Yeah, closer to the Olympia. Uh, but anyways, episode sixty-nine, nonetheless. We um, this will be aired obviously on IronMagazine.com. It's also available on iTunes. Check it out. Matt and I have articles at IronMagazine.com. Best writers in the industry. Best content in the industry. And um, check out IronMagLabs.com, IronMagResearch.com. Those are the companies that support this show. So if you like the show, you like the content, go buy some IronMagLabs products, uh, the best pro hormones on the market, and great uh, regular supplements, if you will, I guess. Uh, They have a great joint product. They have great uh, fish oil, multivitamin, all that stuff I take. So... Uh, ironmagresearch.com the best research chemicals there are do not assume they are underdosed because you'll regret it because you'll get way too much and I've seen it happen firsthand um, and I uh, that's 100% the truth I swear on it so uh, looking for some MK677 or uh, any of the uh, SARMs that are still out or some T3 whatever it is um you can use coupon code Jeff15, G-E-O-F-F-1-5 at checkout for 15% off at ironmagresearch.com or ironmaglabs.com. And um, International Iron with myself and Lee Priest, we just dropped a, our new episode about probably first one in like six weeks. Lee was in um, Brazil for like three weeks and it was just we, we didn't. We weren't able to get the, a, a show ironed out. So we have a two-hour show up on Iron Magazine right now. Check that out with myself and Lee Priest. And uh, the election actually was going on while we recorded. And there was a little bit of uh, live commentary from Lee on the election as he watched it from Australia going down. So Because that was late. It was like midnight that we were recording. So um, definitely want to check that one out. And that's all I got. I'm done rambling. That's all I got, Matt. I got nada. All I got to say about this is that you a piece of shit and a snake in the grass. <laughs> you and you and Jeff both. Snake in the grass. If Jeff got an athlete in the show and everyone else looked like shit. Y'all know how that go. I'm out. <laughs>